0: Good morning, everybody. How y'all doing? Come on. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> it's good to see you this morning. I hope you came ready to praise the Lord. Uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, Miss Julie was in a wreck, and uh, I gave her the day off today because uh, she's a little dizzy. I'm a little dizzy every day, uh, so I said I'll take care of it today, but she's, uh, she's doing good. She sends her uh, uh, just thank yous for all the prayers and just everything, uh, that you've, uh, this week. And so, uh, just keep praying for her. She's got a good knot kind of on the back of her head right there. So we're just, uh, we're just praying the Lord, uh, just heal everything up real good. Amen. All right. Well, let's stand if you would, we're going to, uh, worship the Lord this morning. Amen. Uh, let me see here. Let me get everything going here. Uh, how many of you believe that God's faithful? <laughs> Oh come on! How many believe God's faithful? All right, here we go. Ready? Two, uh, one, two, three, four. Come on, put your hands together. Help us out. Here we go. One, two, three, four. Here we go.
1: Yeah. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Here we go. We worship the God.
0: of you believe there's joy in the house today. Guess what? There's only joy if you choose for there to be joy in the house of the Lord. Amen. I'm up here smiling as big as I can. Amen. But I can't transfer it to you. You've got to decide there's joy in your heart today. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. And so we want to be joyful today. Uh, So put that smile on your face. Uh, Let's uh, go around. Tell somebody you're glad to see them this morning. Let's just greet one another in the house today, if you would. And then we're going to continue on in just a moment. All right. would find your place and uh, you can be seated brother martin's going to come give us some uh, announcements today so go ahead find your place and be seated if you would
2: It's more personal, though. No there. Uh, my brother called, and, you know, we've been praying for my great-nephew that has that needs a bone marrow transplant. Well, they did find a donor. His older his older brother is a perfect match. And uh, he said just thank everybody for their prayers. They won't happen until the middle of April or the later part of April because they've got to build
0: Cameron's body up and uh, do some more testing, too. So. But just continue to pray that it will all be successful. And uh, just thank you, Lord, and thank you all for your prayers.
2: Praise God. Amen. Uh, It meant a lot more hearing it from her than than me because it is personal. So uh, do we have any first-time visitors here this morning? Don't want to embarrass you, but if you are a first-time visitor, just signify it by raising your hand, and we will get you a uh, visitor's card. And just drop it in the... uh, baskets on your way out. Um, we'll let you know that we do have Wednesday morning Bible study in the fellowship hall from 10 to 11. Um, I recently started officing here in this office for my job, and I don't know what they're doing in there, but they're always laughing and cutting up. So I don't know how much Bible study they do, but they do have a good time. I uh, just want to let you know on Sundays, we do have Sunday school starts at 10 for all ages. Um, And also our tithes and giving, you can do it the old method by, uh, you know, writing a check out and uh, putting it in the basket um, in an envelope. Uh, We do have giving online at landmarktyler.com, and it's a one-time setup through PayPal. Uh, We have a ladies' fellowship this Saturday. Oh, Lord, it's already March 26th. This Saturday, March 26th at 5 p.m. at the Trammell's house. Uh, There is a sign-up sheet on that table over there, Um, and see, Brother Mark, if you need directions. Uh, We are going to have a revival starting uh, April 24th through 27th. Go ahead. And we're going to have Brother Herman Kramer. Uh, If you did not make it out last year, then you are in for a treat, so do try to come one night, all every night, just uh, come, and I, I promise you, you will be blessed by the word that Brother Herman brings to us. Uh, also, we have a life recovery class. Is it at 2 o'clock? Uh, 2 o'clock today. Yeah. Two o'clock today. Um, Tracy leads it up, so if you're interested in that, come to that. And then the last thing is, we I thought she was joking with me, but Miss Mary said, hey, we need a water drive like what is a water drive is that like a driveway you drive through that has water sounded really cool but no we actually need bottles of water we go through a lot of it on Wednesday nights all the fellowship that we have up here so if you want to buy cases and cases of water and bring it to us it's usually fairly cheap at Sam's Um, and I'll even get one of my teenage boys to unload it for us if you know they're here so Other than that, let's praise our Lord and Savior. Amen? Amen. All right. Hey, before we we
0: start singing again, uh, today, uh, every year, I don't know if you've uh, been aware of this, but uh, how many of you are familiar with the Gideons, uh, the organization? The Gideons do a great work in getting the Word of God out to people. And so this is the Sunday when uh, the Gideons come and share, and we have a man uh, named Roger Burks. And I made sure, I said, you are no kin to David Burks, are you? And I said, I will let you speak if you're not kin to David Burks, amen. No, that's David, I'm just kidding. He's not here this morning, but uh, give him a hard time. Uh, But Brother Roger is from uh, Mount Vernon, Texas, and he's going to come and share about the Gideons and their mission this morning. Give him a big hand if you would, amen. Thank Thank you so
3: much, my, what a joy to be with you this morning and Thank you everyone for making me feel so welcome and don't let me blur them out this morning. I'm a big voice. If I get this microphone too close, it'll shut me off or something. But uh, I do love the ministry of the Gideons and uh, I've been a Gideon for about 20 years now. And So uh, let me jump right into a testimony. Alan Granger was born a Jew, grew up in Southern California and left there on the run after he joined up with a motorcycle gang. Got in trouble with the law. Wound up in Las Cruces, New Mexico, where again he got in with the wrong crowd. One night at a 7-Eleven store, just all out of the blue, his buddy said, let's rob this store. Allen said he didn't even think twice. He just reached in his pocket, pulled out his pistol, and stuck it between the eyes of the clerk. His buddy got scared and ran. But Allen continued on with the robbery, and the clerk just sort of smiled when he said, stick them up. And Allen said just for a split second, his finger tightened on the trigger of that pistol. But he didn't pull the trigger. But he did take the money and again ran from the law and came on up to El Paso, Texas, he was going to try to catch a plane, get away, start a new life. But before he boarded that plane that day, his conscience got to bothering him. That still small voice down deep inside telling him to go back and turn himself in. That was the decision he made. He went back turned himself in. Now he's sitting in a jail cell facing a 40- to 50-year prison sentence when a local church took some responsible action. See, there was a group in this church that was used to visiting in the jail Two people out of that group had a profound impact upon Alan's life. One was a young lady. The other was a gentleman wearing an emblem like I'm wearing this morning. That Gideon offered out on a little New Testament. Said he really didn't want to take it, but he did and just threw it down beside his bunk there in that jail cell. A couple of days passed by. He looked down and saw it laying there on the floor. Something drawing him to it. He picked it up. Started to read from it. He couldn't put it down. Make a long story short, just from reading the scriptures out of that little New Testament, Alan Granger was wondrously saved there in that jail cell. Nobody really witnessing to him, but just the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, created a child of God. Gets a little bit better, as Paul Harvey used to say, you're about to hear the rest of the story. (laughs) Alan didn't serve 40 years in prison, he got out after only two years joined a local church, God called him to preach, went off to college, came back. That church that had visited him in the jail called him to be their pastor. That young lady that was in that group became Mrs. Granger. It gets a little bit better. That clerk that he almost pulled the trigger on served as his assistant pastor for some 14 years. One of the arresting officers served on his deacon board, if you can believe that. Only God, church. I don't know how many lives Alan touched, but I know God keeps some good records. Somebody's going to have a great reward when they get to heaven. Because somebody gave that dollar and 30 cents that that little New Testament could be placed in Alan's hand. And the Spirit of God did the rest. So on behalf of your local Gideon Count and the Gideons International, I want to thank you for allowing me to come this morning. Thank you, Pastor, for giving me this time to share what God is doing through the Gideon ministry. I'd like to challenge you to catch a vision this morning. You know, I heard a quote from a a blind lady a while back that really stirred my heart. This blind woman was asked, what could be worse than losing your sight? And her response was, having perfect sight, but with no vision. And I thought about the scriptures in the Bible, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. The Bible tells us where there is no vision, people perish. New Testament, 2 Peter Chapter 3 and verse 9, the Bible tells us that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And that's what the Gideon ministry is all about, church, winning souls. I looked the other day, nearly 8 billion people in the world now. Those souls are going out into eternity at the rate of nearly two per second. While I'm speaking to you this morning, some 1,000 people are going to draw their last breath, many of them never never having the opportunity that That you and I have to sit in a good church and to hold a copy of God's word. So I want to ask you a simple question this morning. Is it important that you know? In other words, does it matter that you know about the Gideon ministry? That we're a Christian business, professional men's association. Men that have been born again, believe the Bible to be the inspired word of God. Is it important that you know we have over 175,000 members? We're a worldwide ministry serving now in 200 countries around the world. Speaking 101 different languages all with the same objective and that's to win the loss for christ through our personal witnessing and the placing and distributing of god's word most people know of our distribution through the hotel motel bibles if you've ever done any traveling i'm sure you found one in your room and uh, but that's really just a very minuscule part of our distribution we also go into the schools and colleges and jails and prisons nursing homes hospitals uh, you name it, we try to get a Bible. If you've got someone in the military, I didn't bring my camouflage copy this morning, but all of our military gets one of these little New Testaments. And you'll be amazed uh, what kind of testimony we hear back from the field. What a blessing it is to our guys that are fighting for our freedom. Is it is important you know what happens when we place this word. You know, Gideons have a promise that we stand on found in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 11. It says, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I have sent it. Let me give you one more testimony this morning of live witness. If he was here, he would tell you it's important that you know, church. Go with me up to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Our Gideons were doing a school distribution, and Brother Erskine Beasley was a visiting Gideon there. He was from Mississippi. The local Gideons there asked Brother Erskine if he would go speak to the principal, and he couldn't understand why they wanted him, being from Mississippi, to do it, but he said, I agreed to it. He said, when I walked into that lady principal's office, he said, I knew right quick why they wanted me to do the job, because they were scared of her. (laughs) She was very blunt and very adamant that there wasn't about to be a Bible placed on her campus, and and the Gideons had to be at least two blocks away, and Brother Erskine said, I didn't argue with her, so I was about half scared of her myself, and Said, we went on down the street and set up and said, in a few minutes, the bell rang in that huge John F. Kennedy High School, one of the largest in the nation. Those students came pouring out of the classroom, and down the sidewalk, and one of our Gideons looked up and saw that six foot four two 256-pound security guard heading straight to him, and he began to pray, Lord, don't let him kill me. And got just a few feet away, and he said, sir, could I have one of those little books that you're passing out? Said, I'm a retired police officer. Said, I need to get my life in order. Our Gideon said, sir, not only could you have one of these little books, but I'd like to introduce you to the one who wrote it. He took him to the back to the salvation scriptures that are in each one of these little New Testament. Standing right there on that sidewalk, William Lee, surrounded by all those students, prayed to accept Christ as his Lord and Savior. If William Lee was here this morning, church, he would tell you it's important that you know. Let me hasten on. Is it important that you know we need your help? Three ways you can help us. If you think of the Gideon ministry, number one, pray for us. One of my favorite scriptures, Psalms 3415, says, The eyes of the Lord upon the righteous. His ears are open to their cry and to their prayers. So we ask you to pray. Second way you can help us is manpower. Maybe God would speak to some of you men about expanding your ministry, and I'd love to speak with you after the service if that's the case. And then lastly, by Financially. Throughout the year, we have what we call the Gideon card program. These are cards that are furnished to you free of charge where you can dedicate Bibles in memory or in recognition of a friend or a loved one. If you have a friend or a loved one, Christian, gone to be with the Lord, and you dedicate Bibles in their memory, it allows their witness to continue on. A gift that just keeps on giving. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4 says, He being dead, yet speaketh. Then the in-recognition cards are great for anniversaries, birthdays, graduations, whatever the occasion might be. And then we also have the thinking of you cards. Great way to be a blessing. You'll be amazed at what kind of letters you get back from the families. You know, those flowers only last a few days, church, they're gone, but the word of God's going to last forever. And then lastly, by giving this morning, dollar and30 cents for this little New Testament, $130 dollars, we'll replace a hundred of these in hands that are begging and pleading for God's word. Five dollars for a hotel motel Bible. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 27 says, Withhold not good from them to whom it is due when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. I know times are hard, church. Those bills keep coming around every month. But I also know if I asked for a show of hands, probably every hand in here would go up. God's blessed us here in America. We're a blessed people. I'm not asking you to give to the Gideons this morning, but I am asking you to buy Bibles. to be placed in hands that many times have never held a copy of God's word. I know that's hard for us to believe here in America. But if you could see the video, talk to the men that get to go to these other countries. I'll make you two promises this morning if you'll help us. Number one, we will buy a Bible. Number two, we will distribute it somewhere around the world. Let me close this morning. One of our great missionaries, Jill Mayotte, made this statement. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. I picked out three excerpts from African children into our headquarters. I'd like to read them to you as I close this morning. Number one, sir, it take me one whole week's work to pay postage for this letter. Please, sir, please send Bibles. Second one said this, sir, within your power to save my soul from hellfire. Please, sir, please send Bibles. The last one said, sir, one day i talking with my friend Jesus he tell me how you are good and kind, how you send poor boy like me a Bible. Please, sir, please send Bibles. You see, church, it does matter that you know this morning. You can't go wrong by placing a Bible in someone's hands. If I could promise you a 12 15% return monetarily, I wouldn't have a front door in my house. People would be <laughs> knocking it in. I can't promise you that this morning. But I can promise you an investment that will never lose interest. Amen. And that's by placing a copy of God's word in someone's hand. May God richly bless you. I look forward to the rest of the service. Thank you, Pastor.
0: Amen. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Brother Roger. You know, I, I was thinking, too, as Brother Roger was talking, too, uh they need help uh, in their organization, too. Uh, you know, I've heard that, uh, you know, how many of you, you received those little New Testaments when you were a student in school? Probably just about everybody in here. But I've heard that uh, it's getting harder and harder for them to distribute those because they don't have enough workers to get to all the schools to hand those out. And so uh, if you've been looking for your spot, maybe you've been looking, well, God, how can you... Anybody can stand out in front of a school and hand out a little New Testament, amen. And so I can't think of a more worthy organization. And uh, uh, I'm going to share in just a moment the power of God's word. I thought, what are, uh, what what better thing to preach on than on the day uh, Gideon day about the power of God's word and how it changes your life in my life amen we're going to sing one more song and uh, worship the lord and i'm going to preach at you all right so let's stand one last time if you would and uh, brother chris is going to lead us in a little uh, leaning on the everlasting arms amen here we go help us out come on Father, we thank you so much, God. Thank you that we can lean on your everlasting arms. We thank you, Lord, for, Lord, just the the testimony and the speaking of Brother Roger this morning, God. I thank you that your word is living and active. It is like a two-edged sword. And, God, the power of the gospel uh, never ceases to amaze, never stops moving, never stops working. And, God, I thank you that, Lord, the word of God speaks truth into our lives. We don't need to add anything to it or take away anything to it. Lord, the gospel alone is enough to save people, Lord, and we thank you and we love you. Lord, as we continue to worship through the preaching of your word, I pray that God, you would move me out of the way and that God, you would be in control and that God, you would just have uh, your will and your way, Holy Spirit pour out during this service in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. You can be seated. And if you've got children that would like to go to children's church, our wonderful children's workers are going to go back there with them. Give our children's workers a big hand, as always. And uh, they're going to take care of our kids, do a wonderful job all the time. And uh, we thank them so much. All right. Well, as I said, I could not think of a better subject on Gideon Sunday than the power of the Word of God. Is the Bible inspired? Here's the problem today, folks. Uh, we live in a culture today that many people um, just struggle with, uh, well, why should I believe why should I believe the Bible? Uh, and, and here's the reality of the fact. If you don't believe the Bible, you and I, we really don't have a lot to talk about because the Bible is the inspired writings of God through men. It's the infallible, inerrant, word of God and if you don't believe in that and if you you might as well just take it and throw it in the trash then you and I we don't have a lot to talk about because everything I'm going to share with you the gospel the very gospel that I share with you is from the word of God the plan of salvation is in the word of God and you can read it from front to back and there is no other plan there is one plan of salvation It's 66 books in the Bible. I'm going to get through a lot of facts today about the Bible. But it's 66 different books in the Bible written over 1,500 years, over a span of 1,500 years. But together, it's an entire one book, and there is one central theme to the entire book. Now, is that a miracle in and of itself right there? 66 different writers, 66 different books, a span of 1,500 years. But it all comes together with one central theme, the redemption of man through a Savior, Jesus Christ. Can you believe that? 66 books from genesis all the way to revelation and that is the central theme throughout that entire bible praise the lord that ought to make a baptist want to shout amen so uh i'm going to share with you this morning why should you believe because a lot of young people today not picking on young people this is just the culture that we live in they want to say well that's not that's just men men wrote that that's not really the word of god uh let me tell you today don't buy that junk there's a lot of people trying to sell you a lot of junk Even, unfortunately, today, when you go to college, colleges today are some of the most ungodly places in America. College campuses today have gone extremely liberal, and many of the classes they want to teach you, you're a fool if you believe in God. You're a fool if you believe in the Bible. You're a fool. That's a bunch of fairy tales. That was all written by men. None of it's true. Can I tell you, that is a lie in and of itself. The Bible is one of the most historic—can I tell you this today— it's all in your perception of the Bible. The Bible is not a book of fairy tales. If you if you look at the Bible as a book of stories and fairy tales, you're going to be misled and the devil's going to get the victory in your life. But if you look at the Bible as a history book and that's exactly what it is, it's a book that's probably more more accurate than the history books in your school. It is a history book and it is men writing about this man Jesus. You can't find anybody that denies that Jesus was a real man. They may not recognize him as Savior, but they all, even all of the other world religions re- recognize Jesus, that he was a real man, and he was a rabbi, he was a teacher, he was a prophet, but many of them don't recognize him as the Savior of the world. But you cannot deny, even even all the other religions admit Jesus was a real man. So guess what? The writings about that real man and all of the writings in the Bible, they are not a fairy tale. It's a history book, and it is the most historically accurate proven book in all of mankind, even more than the history books in your school, all right? So that's what we're going to go over today. Is the Bible inspired? The first scripture is from 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. This is what the Bible says about itself. All scripture is what? God It's right up here on screen. All scripture is what? God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. All right? And verse 17 says, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible was written, and God inspired men to write it, and you say, well... How did it end up with these books? Because there were other books written that didn't make it into the Bible. There were other historical writings that didn't make it into the Bible. But I'm here to tell you, God has a plan. God has a purpose. And God is in control of all things. And God put this group of books together to be the Holy Bible. And it has existed for thousands and thousands of years. And men have tried to destroy it. Men have tried to kill it. Men have tried to kill the message. They've tried to burn it, get rid of it. Entire countries have tried to ban the Bible, but it just keeps living and going and moving. Now, you tell me the only way that could happen, the only way that the Bible could not have been obliterated because so many have tried is if it has the hand of God on it. And it says right here, it is God-inspired. It's written by men, but those men, God breathed through those men. All right? So, uh, that's, that's a good scripture to start with. The, the word that's used in there is a, uh, a Hebrew word called theopne, uh, theopneostos, and it means divinely breathed, given by inspiration of God. Let me give you just a few facts about the Bible. I can't read my own handwriting, so forgive me here. Did you know that the Bible is the best selling book in history? Did you know also that the Bible is the most shoplifted book in history? I guess if you're going to steal one, that's a good one to steal, amen? But honestly, that's true. Uh, The Bible is the most shoplifted book in history. It is 66 books wrapped into one, 773,692 words. It was written by all kinds of people from all kinds of backgrounds. It was written by politicians, statesmen, farmers, shepherds, peasants, musicians, tax collectors, It was written over a 1,500-year span in three different languages, Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. Sixty-six books, yet one central theme, the redemption of man and that man needs a Savior. You cannot save yourself. I need a Savior. You need a Savior. Who was that Savior? Jesus. Mm, Can't beat it. All right. Uh, We're going to give it a little bit of test, though, all right, on is the Bible reliable. Uh, there's a 3 prong test, uh, and uh, number one, uh, it was uh, given by a guy named, uh, sorry, I'm trying to read my own notes again here. Um, there, uh, somebody came up with this test, anyway, I, I lost the name here. Uh, number one of this test is the internal test. Do the writers of the Bible claim their writings are true? Well, let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, and it says this. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Eyewitnesses. That means we saw it with our own eyes. Can you imagine being alive at the time of Jesus and being able to see I was an eyewitness? You know why? All of those disciples were martyred except for uh, John was really the only one that wasn't, wasn't martyred. Uh, you know uh, why they were willing to give their lives and all of them were martyred for, for the cause of Christ? It was because they deeply believed and because they had seen within their own eyes. They had spent time with Jesus and they, uh, they knew in their own mind and because they had seen it with their own eyes. Amen. You may say something's not true, but if I've seen it with my own eyes... You can't deny that. I have seen it. I have become an eyewitness to it. How many eyewitnesses does it take in a courtroom to convict somebody? Just one. You remember when Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus died and he rose again, and it says after he rose again, you know how many witnesses, how many people witnessed him in his resurrected body? Over 500. 500. You only need one to convict in a court of law. Over 500, Jesus appeared, and he wanted to be sure they knew exactly that what he had said was true, that he was risen from the dead, okay? Uh, So uh, the writers claimed that they were eyewitnesses. The New Testament was written between 47 and 95 A.D. That means that most of the people who wrote the New Testament uh, had been alive during the time of Jesus. They had witnessed it with their own eyes, Okay. Uh, number two, the external test. What does outside evidence say about the Bible? All right. Um, there's a guy named uh, Nelson Gluick, and he's the former president uh, of the Jewish Theological Seminary. And he is one of the great all-time archaeologists. Uh, he uh, lives right there in Jerusalem, and he is the one that heads up most of the archaeological digs in and around Jerusalem. All right. And he said this, it may be stated categorically that no archaeological discovery has ever controverted a biblical reference. There's nothing that has ever denied a biblical reference. It's most of all of it has been proven true. And every time they make a new archaeological discovery, it just confirms the Bible even more and even more and even more. Julie and I had a chance back in 2019 to get to go uh, to the Holy Land and get to go to Israel and uh, they are constantly having archaeological digs there and one of the ones that they had just started on when we got there was uh it was out in the kind of in the countryside and they had already dug up and you could walk down and you got into this little valley and they had already dug out most of the city you could see it was a little town and they had dug up a lot of the uh, the structures were were uh, some of the structures were sort of the basis of them anyway and this uh, they had uh, known by putting together um, some of the scripture and some of the uh, history of that, that this was the actual town where the woman at the well was. You remember the woman at the well where Jesus met the woman at the well and uh, he introduces her and he she gets saved. And you remember what it said? She goes back to her city and the entire city comes out and that the entire city gets converted. And that was that city. They had just found it and they were starting to dig it up. It is not a fairy tale, people. It's a history book. It's real. Jesus is real. It all really happened. He really died on a cross for you, and that it's real. Amen. the The power of the Word of God is very real. All right. Um, let's see here. Then number three, the bibliographic test: uh, How well were the original documents translated to today? Well, we can answer that because in 1947. They discovered there was a major discovery made in a in a cave, and they found these uh, these writings in these like bottles, and they'd been sealed up. And they come to discover that in 1947, what they had discovered was what was called the Dead Sea Scrolls. And it was uh, at the time many of the Romans were persecuting the Jews, and they had all of these scrolls of the original writings, and they didn't want the Romans to destroy them, so they rolled them up. And they stuck them in these uh, containers, and they hid them in caves. And in 1947, the discovery was made in these caves, and the Dead Sea Scrolls were found in many of these writings. And as they took out the writings, they began to go through them and look at them, and they compared them to many of the writings from the Old Testament, and they were exact copies, exact copies, almost verbatim to the word. The Bible is real. Again, every discovery Does not disprove it. Every discovery made as time keeps going just continues to prove it and confirm it. Okay. So let's look at some of the things here. Um, Prophetic prophecies about Christ. All right. Uh, Let's see all these. Then I want to give you uh, just kind of the odds on all this being fulfilled. These are prophecies about Christ or the Messiah. And if you'll look at them, um, there's about 10 or 11 here. And then I'm going to give you the odds on even eight of these being fulfilled. Um, let's let's go through these first. So, uh, number one, it says that the uh, the Messiah or the Christ will be born of a virgin. Uh, that prophecy is made in Isaiah chapter seven verse fourteen. Then we see in the New Testament that prophecy is fulfilled in Matthew chapter one verse twenty five. I didn't bother uh, putting all these out there. You can go back and look at them if you want to take a picture of the screen or write these down. Uh, Then another prophecy about the Messiah or Jesus Christ was that he would be born in Bethlehem. (coughs) That prophecy was made in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, and it was uh, fulfilled in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. It says that he would be anointed by the Spirit. That prophecy is made in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, and it is fulfilled in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 then as it gets to the end of his life uh, it talks about that the, uh, the Messiah or the Christ will ride triumphantly on a donkey and you remember on Palm Sunday which we've got coming up uh, Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey and that, that was prophesied thousands of years before in Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9 and it was fulfilled in John chapter 12 verses 14-15 then it also there's a prophecy all of these prophecies were made by the way uh, 2000 years or so before jesus even shows up uh then it says that the christ or the messiah would be betrayed by a friend uh, that uh, prophecy is made in psalm chapter 41 verse 9 and it is fulfilled across of uh, course by um, um um you know the guy uh and it, uh, that's fulfilled in matthew chapter 26 verses 48 and 49 judas is scary i'm sorry um And then it says also uh, that he will be silent before his accusers. That prophecy is in Isaiah chapter fifty-three, verse seven. It's fulfilled in Matthew chapter twenty-seven, verse twelve. And then we're going to continue on. Uh, It also says that he was beaten and spat upon. That's in Isaiah fifty, verse six, and fulfilled in Matthew chapter twenty-six, verse sixty-seven. Also says that they will they would cast lots for his clothing. That uh, prophecy is made in Psalm twenty-two, eighteen, fulfilled in John nineteen, twenty-three, twenty-four. Uh, it says that he would be anointed by the Spirit, Isaiah eleven, two, Matthew three, sixteen. Uh, then it also, again, thousands of years before it ever happened, it said that he would be crucified with criminals. not just, not just crucified. It also makes the call at very specifically. Not will not only will this Christ or this Messiah be crucified, he will specifically be crucified between two criminals. That's almost impossible to prophesy, especially thousands of years before it happens. Uh, That's fulfilled in Mark 15, 27. It also says that the the Christ or the Messiah would be given vinegar to drink. That's in Psalm 69, 21, fulfilled in John 19, 28 through 30. Then it says that he would be forsaken by God, that there would be a moment uh, where God would uh, turn his back. And that is uh, prophesied in Psalm 22, 1, fulfilled in Matthew 27, 46. And then it uh, makes the statement and the prophecy that he would be pierced for our sins. And uh, if you remember, uh, specifically on the cross, one of the last things that happens on the cross is they pierce his side with a spear. All right. That's in Isaiah 53, 5, fulfilled in John 19, 34, uh, 35. Okay. Did I cover all of them? Uh, Oh, still going right. All right. Then his bones will not be broken. Uh, Psalm 34, 20, fulfilled in John nineteen thirty All right. And then uh, the day turns dark. That's in Amos 8, 9, fulfilled in Matthew 27, 45. And then, of course, one of the most important ones, uh, he will rise again. And that's in Psalm 118, verses 17 and 18, fulfilled in Mark 16, verses 6 through 8. All right. Now, that's a bunch Let me give you the odds here. There was a professor uh, named uh, Peter Stone. And Peter Stone uh, wanted to get what the odds were of any of these prophecies being fulfilled. So he wanted to pick a a reasonable number. So he just picked eight. He picked what are the odds that even eight of these could be fulfilled. Here's what he came up with. He's one of these mathematicians that, that can come up with the odds on all this. Okay. Here's what he said the eight prophecies being fulfilled the odds of even eight of those being fulfilled and being totally true is one in 10 with 17 zeros behind it. And so you say, and then it's, that's the number so big, there's not even a name for it. And then you say, well, what's, how do you, how do, can I even get my brain wrapped in it? Let me give you what those odds would be. It would be the same if you took a silver dollar, if I took a silver dollar and I put a black um, marked it with a black X And then I went and I put that silver dollar somewhere in the entire state of Texas. Then if I took the state of Texas and I covered the entire state of Texas with two feet deep of silver dollars and buried that one with the X on it somewhere in the state of Texas under two feet of other silver dollars covering the state of Texas. And then I put a blindfold on you and told you, go find that one with the X on it, and you walked to it and found it on the first try. That's the odds of even eight of those being fulfilled. And there were many, many, many more than eight that Jesus Christ fulfilled. In other words, impossible. Jesus is exactly who he said he was. He's exactly who was prophesied about. There is no doubt that this Jesus was the Christ and was the Son of God and was the Messiah. Amen. Now, what difference does that make in your life, in my life? It makes all the difference in the world. Amen. You and I need to understand the Bible is real. Time is real. Now, there is one more scripture I want to give you because guess what? There are other prophecies. And to this date, there's only really one prophecy that hadn't fulfilled. Did you know that all the prophecies have been fulfilled that need to happen before the Lord comes back? Except one. There's one event that has not been fulfilled. And it's in 1 Thessalonians Four sixteen 16 through 18, and it's this event right here. And Chris, could you just come and kind of be ready to play behind me? And this is the most important one. I want you to look me in the eyes, and I want you to hear this, because this is the only prophecy in the Word of God that has not been fulfilled yet. This is the only event that hasn't happened yet, and it's, it's real. If the rest have already happened, they're very real, and this one is very real. It says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And then those who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. That's the one prophecy that has not been fulfilled yet. We're waiting on the Lord to coming back. Guess what? We're in the last days. Nothing else has to happen for this event to happen. This is the last event that you and I are waiting on. Will it happen in my lifetime and your lifetime? I don't know. But guess what? The stage is set and everything is ready for it to happen. Every prophecy has been fulfilled except this one event right here. And I am looking for the day. Listen, we're all going to stand in front of the Lord. It may happen with this event or it may happen when your heart stops beating. But either way, one day you're gonna stand in front of the Lord. I don't know when it's gonna be. I don't know how long you've got. I don't know how long I've got. You know, things happen in your life. Miss Julie having this wreck. These kind of things happen, and if you saw the car and you saw it, it makes you understand, it makes you realize how fragile life is, how short life is. We can get up one day and be perfectly fine and be gone before the day's over. That's the way life is. The question is not, Uh, Are you ready? The question is, are you ready right now? Are you ready every single day? You need to be ready. If you're not ready, listen. The Lord has died for your sins and my sins. There's none in this room worthy of heaven. There's none in this room worthy of God's forgiveness of our sins. But God said, I provided my son because you need a Savior. All of us need a Savior. None of us are perfect. We're all sinners we all need a savior. If you've never asked Jesus into your heart, I want to invite you to do that today. You know, one of the reasons that the Gideons is such an important ministry and giving the word of God out is such an important ministry is because you don't need anything more than the word of God and reading it and the truth of it speaking to you to understand the gospel and to get saved. It's all right there. I was going to share a story too. One of the Pastors is one of the largest churches. I don't know if you've heard of Life Church in Oklahoma City. And Brother Craig Rochelle, And they have tons of campuses all over the world. And it's one of the largest churches in America. And Brother Craig's testimony is is that he was in college, living a wild life, doing what he wanted to please him. He was uh, an athlete. He was uh, on a tennis scholarship at, at college. And on college... Uh, while he was in college one day, he's walking on the campus, and there's one of these Gideons, and they give him one of those little small New Testaments. And his testimony is that he went home, and he began to, he, God had arranged it, that he was going through some things in his life, and he was at a point, God handed that that little New Testament to him right when he needed it and he went back to his dorm room and he began to read it and he ends up getting saved nobody has to be there to explain it to him just from reading that little New Testament he realizes what he needs to do and he gives his heart to the Lord and now pastors one of the largest churches in America no telling how many thousands of people get saved every year because somebody handed that young man uh, a New Testament and God used it to speak into his heart and now he is leading thousands every year uh, to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ that's the power of God's Word amen and we need to be getting God's Word out because all the preaching in the world listen I I love preaching amen I'm I'm glad God called me to preach but listen my opinion doesn't matter when I preach I want to preach the Word of God to you because it's the Word of God that will change you not my opinion and so we need to lean heavily and strongly on the ever-moving ever ever-powerful Word of God. Would you bow your head and close your eyes while Chris plays a little bit? Uh, I'm just going to ask you, if you're in here in this room, uh, maybe you've never given your heart and life to Christ. Maybe uh, you're going through some things and you realize, I've you know, I've never humbled myself. I've never asked Jesus to be my Savior. And that's okay. Everybody in this room had to come to that point at, at some time. Maybe you're living your life and you think, "Well, I've got too many other things I want to do." Listen, today is the day of salvation. Don't run from Him. If He's calling you and speaking to you now, don't run away from Him. If you're here today and you'd say, "Mark, I don't know if I were to die right now if I'd go to heaven or hell," I sure hope so. Can I tell you this? That's the wrong answer. If you have a hope so salvation, you don't you don't have anything. You need a no so salvation. And the only way to have a no-so salvation is to surrender your heart to Jesus Christ because it's not based on you. It's based on Him and what He did on the cross. And so today, if you'd say, Brother Mark, I'm just not sure or I sure hope I'd go to heaven, pray this prayer with me in your heart, your mind, and your spirit. Say, Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. Lord, I believe you died on the cross for me for my sins just like the Bible says you did. And I believe Lord, your sins are what will save me. Your, your blood is what will save me. And so right now, Jesus, the only way I know how, I ask you to come into my heart to forgive me of my sins and save me. Now, if you every head bowed and every eye closed, I would never want to embarrass you, but I do want to pray for you. If you prayed that prayer today for the first time or second time or maybe as a prayer of recommitment because you wandered from the Lord, would you just slip up a hand so I can pray for you today? Anyone today? Thank you. Thank you. Well, we're going to have a time. Uh, Brother Chris is going to play. And uh, we're going to have a time. The altar is going to be open. If you want to come and pray for somebody that you know is lost or pray about what you God wants you to do as far as with the Gideons, if you need somebody to pray for you, Brother Martin is going to be on that side of the stage. I'll be on this side. Father, would you have your will in your way right now? In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. Brother Chris is going to play a little bit. You come if you need to. You can pray or have one of us pray over you. give their amazing grace. Listen, I hope that uh, touched your heart today. uh, Go, uh, I tell you, one of the things that you and I need to understand is we need to be able to defend the faith. You know, as things get worse and worse, you and I, our faith is going to be challenged. And if we don't know the word of God, and if we don't know why we believe what we believe, then the devil's going to win. And so I encourage you today, know the Word of God. Get the Word of God. Get it in your mind and in your heart and uh, get those answers. When somebody asks you, why do you believe that junk? That's just a bunch of junk. People made that up. That's a bunch of fairy tales. What would you say? Could you defend your faith? And uh, sadly, many of us couldn't. And so I encourage you today, the Word of God is the most important thing that you can put in your mind and your heart and in your life. Hey, I want to encourage you today. Brother Roger, thank you so much. Give Brother Roger another big hand. Thank you for sharing with us. And uh, Brother Roger is going to be standing at the back door uh, with an open Bible. Uh, The Gideons do this uh, everywhere they go. And so he's going to be standing. Brother Gary will be there with the offering basket. Uh, Brother Roger, you can go on back there. But Brother Roger is going to be standing there with just an open Bible. And that open Bible is for you to give him an offering if you want to. Uh, And uh, you can talk to him again about if you want to do something in memory of somebody that's uh, passed away or something like that. Uh, But, Brother Roger, thank you again. And uh, please be generous and give to the Gideons. uh, And uh, that's a wonderful, wonderful ministry. Uh, uh, Brother Jerry Johnson back there is having an MRI tomorrow. He asked if we could remember him and pray for him. He's been having lots of health issues. And so they're doing a full MRI tomorrow. And we want to pray for a good report. Uh, for him that everything would be clear. Uh, So pray for him. Keep praying for Miss Julie. Uh, I'm trying to take care of her, but I'm not the greatest nurse in the world, amen. Uh, So pray for her and pray for me, all right. Uh, Listen, I hope you have a great rest of your Sunday, and uh, God bless you. Have a great day, and uh, we'll see you next Sunday, all right.